oats fall. Amen. Come on, brother. Preach. Well, good morning, Strong Tower. I am so thankful. Uh, are you going to put a picture of my, my bunch up there by chance? There's my bunch right there. I, uh, I don't go anywhere and speak without bringing them with me because to know me, you have to know that, that crew right there. And so I'm so thankful that before the foundation of the earth, God knew that my family would look like that. Although it wasn't my plan, it was his plan. And I'm so thankful to be at a church that looks like my family and to worship and to be led and to be discipled by a great man of God, Pastor Chris. And I thank you for the honor and the privilege it is to give the pulpit and let me speak a word to our church family this morning. So thankful for the ministry team that God's brought together at Strong Tower, Pastor Daryl and Christy and John and the young man this morning that led, Richard. Wow. That boy's got an anointing on his life, an anointing on his life. Well, I want to share with you a couple thoughts this morning that the Lord has been placed on my heart for about six months now, and a couple weeks ago, I was, at the, uh, I was at the beach with my wife, and God began to reveal some things to me, and, and so it, it, an outline became clear, and so I said, all right, Lord, whenever you're ready for me to give this message to a school, a church, a Whoever will listen, I'm ready. And then last week, Pastor Chris called me and said, would you be available to uh, come up with a message? I said, I already got one. I already got one. Because God's always on time. Amen? And I'm thankful for that. Interestingly enough, Pastor Chris mentioned that I was a pastor for three years. I really didn't consider myself as a pastor because really my background is in health and wellness and in education and for 25 years, I was a high school and college basketball coach and a teacher. And as I look back on my career, I realized that, interestingly enough, I really wasn't a very good student in high school. And really, I just wanted to make the grades so I could be eligible for sports. Anybody out there with me? How, and, and, you know, and I, as I look back now, how much I value education. And as a health coach and life coach, what I do as a profession now, I realize that educating people is one of the most greatest experiences that we all can embark on. We need to continually challenge our mind uh, and educate ourselves, particularly in God's Word. Amen? But my wife, on the other hand, was a straight-A student. I mean, she was a phenomenal student all the way through, and I can remember our senior year in college, our senior year. She comes home one day, and I can remember that it was her last year, San Diego State, very tough major, journalism, communications. She's always been a straight-A student, and I could tell she was very discouraged. I said, honey, what, what, what's, what's going on? What's, what's, what's the matter? She said, oh, you, you, don't, you, you don't understand. You, you won't understand. I said, well, tell, tell me, what's going on? She said, I made a B in one of my classes. And I, I said, honey, it's, it's all right. I mean, you, it's a hard. No, no, you don't understand. I've never made a B in any of my classes. I've always made an A. I've always been the. T I said, honey, I, I didn't know what to tell. I said, honey, I, I understand. I, I know I, I've never made a B either. <laughs> Amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews. Let's move on. Hebrews chapter 12. 
And I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ and live life to the hilt. Live life to the hilt. Now, I had to get a little refresher on what the hilt. Now, I've heard that expression many times in life. Go to the hilt, live to the hilt. Be the, but I didn't really know what the hilt was. The hilt refers to a part of a sword or a dagger. Now, the sword has three parts, and most people can name two, the handle and the blade. But there's actually a third part, and that's the part that goes diagonal to the sword that keeps your hand from sliding onto the blade. That's called the hilt. So when somebody tells you live to the hilt, that means take it all the way in down to the handle. Take it all the way. The, de the definition of the hilt by Webster's Dictionary is to live to the utmost, to go in completely. So I want to speak to you this morning on the subject of live life to the hilt. And as a Christian and as a brother in Christ, I want to add one little thing to that, and that is be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you about three things, first of all that can keep you from living life to the hilt. The first is our standards are too low. Our standards are too low. Many people live life average. And I want to share something with you today that God put on my heart. And the, the thought that impressed on my spirit was this. It doesn't take anything to be an average Christian. Nothing. Anybody can be average. And when we become satisfied with being average, there's no way we can be all that we can be. There's no way that we can live life to the full. The second thing that can keep us from living life to the hilt is the fear of failure. The fear of failure. Now listen, in all the science and all the behavioral magazines that I watch and all the peer reviews that I study, the one thing that comes back time and time again that keeps people from being all that they can be and all that God has designed us to be is the fear of failure. Let me share this with you. If God calls you to something, he will equip you for whatever he calls you to. And the fear of failure can keep us, the fear of being criticized, the fear of not reaching high enough. I had a guy once tell me, if you aim for the moon, you might hit it every now and then. But if you aim for the dirt, you'll hit it every time. So set your standards higher. Get rid of the fear of failure. And the third thing that can keep you from being all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ and living life to the hilt Interesting you mentioned this, Pastor, is lack of commitment. Lack of commitment. You see, here's what I know. Being interested in something and being committed to something is two very different things. You see, I can be interested in something, and when it's convenient for me, I'll go ahead and do it. But when you are committed to something, it does not matter the circumstance. You are going to push all the chips in. And you are going to reach your goals. So those are the three things that can keep us from living life to the hill. Let's talk about how we actually get 
to the hilt. Let's look at your Bibles. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 15. And when I was a pastor of a little inner city church here in Nashville for about three and a half years, I really didn't consider myself as a pastor. I really considered myself as a coach. And I always tell everybody, I did all the coaching. My wife did all the preaching. And that's how it usually worked for us. And so I like to tell stories as God reveals things to me through his scripture. So today I'm going to share with you four verses. I'm going to give you four thoughts, four stories, and hopefully God will use me in some way, some part, to remove me and speak to you directly. The Bible says this, Therefore strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. Make level paths for your feet, so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. And verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God, and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So the first principle I want to share with you is that if you're going to live to the hilt, if you're truly going to be all that God's called you to be, I believe the first thing that we have to become as believers, as God followers, we've got to become self-motivated. We got to get excited about being a God follower. We've got something to live for because we know the end of the story ends well for us. The world doesn't have that excitement in it, but if you call yourself a God follower, if you have placed your faith and trust in Christ, then we got something excited to live for. Amen? I have a friend of mine, and again, I'm not a golfer, uh, but one of my, uh, every so often I'll go FCA or school, some have an event, and I'll go out and play. Now, my bag looks like a junkyard salvage, uh, every mixed up, I don't have anything that matches, if you understand what I'm saying. So any of you that golf, you know that that's probably not a true golfer. So I, uh, one of my good friends, Rick Bird, who coaches at Belmont, told me one time, because years and years ago when I played in a golf tournament at Belmont, I would get mad at myself because I, I couldn't hit the ball like I wanted to. So Rick gave me some of the greatest advice that I've ever gotten. And that is, he said, Coach, come here for a second. Let me tell you, by the way, Rick's a very good golfer for those of you who know who he is. He said, Coach, let me give you a little piece of advice here. He said, you're hitting the ball and you're getting frustrated and angry at every, almost every time you swing the club because I was no good. And he said, you're, you're, you're not good enough to get mad at yourself. Well, thank you. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate it. I, but I can tell you this. I never got mad at myself after that. Amen? So I recognize where my gifts and talents are. So years ago, I was playing golf with a good friend of mine, and we were playing. And uh, Have you ever known anybody that just, they just didn't have any excitement in life? I mean, they just never smiled. I mean, it's like when you're with them, you feel, you feel like you got to overcome something. Well, this was my friend, Coach well, I won't mention his name, because some of you may know him. But, I mean, if he was hysterical, you might see his teeth, you might not. That's what I'm talking about. So we're on the third hole. It's a par three. We all tee off, and coach friend of mine, he goes last, and he hits a ball, and, and it goes onto the green, and plop, 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 and goes into the hole. A hole in one. 
Now, you know, I didn't, come from, I didn't come from a golfing family. I didn't come from affluence. I mean, I came from the other side of the track. So I'm jumping up and down. I'm screaming. I said, Coach, can you believe? You hit a hole in one. You, you, you hit a hole in I have never seen a hole in one. You know what he said? Oh, that's a great shot right there. That was really, really good. I think I hit a good ball right there. I'm like, no, Coach, you, you hit a hole in one. I mean, the thing went into the hole. I said, you know what that means? He said, yeah, I think that means I just got to bend over and pick that ball out of the cup. I'm like, no, 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 no. I mean, no excitement whatsoever. Let me say something. When the Lord Jesus Christ is ruler of your life, it's time to get excited about being a child of the Most High King. Can I get a witness somewhere? God has given us the gift of eternal life, and so if we're going to get motivated it starts with us let's start motivating ourselves and let's get encouraged to be all that we can be for the lord jesus christ sorry about my spit there's like the shamu section right here y'all gonna be get a little look at verse 13 the bible says make level paths for your feet so that the lame may not be disabled but rather healed The second principle I want to talk to you about, if you're going to be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ, first of all, you got to be self-motivated. But second of all, we need to be single-minded. Single-minded. This was a great story that I read many years ago. Hernando Cortez was a Spanish conquistador. Set sail to Mexico in 1519. Some of you know history know that he had 600 soldiers and 11 ships. And he set out to conquer the Yucatan Peninsula. Now, many people had tried to conquer that area before, but were unsuccessful. The mighty Aztecs, for some of you history buffs, know they ruled that land. And they were vicious, and they they, they took care of business. And so as they set sail and landed... Hernando Cortez, the great leader that he was, according to the history books, I assume he was ready to tell his men, let's let's go, let's charge the hill. So you can imagine being uh, in an unknown territory, being at a place where people had been unsuccessful. They probably had ideas of great riches, but they also probably had some fear too. What are they going to encounter? What are they going to face in this unknown land? Could it be dinosaurs? Could it be monsters? Uh, could it be Bigfoots? And Bigfoots are real, by the way. And could, could, could it be something that we haven't experienced? Could, could these Aztecs have lasers? And what kind of weaponry are they going to have? And, and can we really, are we really going to be successful? Well, Cortez lands. And the first message that he gives his men, the very first message. And you can imagine this is going to be one of those pep talks and one of those, hey, let's go, we can do this, we can make it, and we're going to, we're going to link arms and charge the hill together. The first thing that he told his men was this, unload the boats and burn them all down. Burn every boat down. I don't want to see one boat left. Whoa, 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 whoa. You, you, you want us to burn all the boats down? I want you to burn them all down because here's the deal. He realized if he was going to lead the charge, 
if he was going to have success, there could be no doubt. All the chips were going into the middle. He was committed to the mission, or he was going to die trying. If you're going to be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we are going to be all that we can be at Strong Tower Bible Church, We've got to push all the chips in, and we've got to stay committed, and we have to be single-minded. Look at your Bible in verse 14. The Bible says, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Now, I don't believe the Hebrews writer meant that if you're just not Mr. and Mrs. Superfaith and have holiness everywhere on you, you're never going to see Jesus. What I believe the scripture is telling us here is that if you don't have holiness in your life, people are not going to see Jesus in you. And people need to see Jesus in everything that we say and everything that we do. Because that is the power of encouragement. As the scripture says, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and by the power of our testimony. Your life and your testimony mean something. It means something how you live your life. But holiness is a different, it's a whole different thing when you think about the gospel and you think about what God has done for us. So the third principle if you're going to be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're going to live life to the hilt, I believe you got to be spiritually mature. At some point, you got to grow. Amen. At some point, you got to get off the mother's milk and get into the word, the meat of the word. Years ago, I went to, uh, my wife and I moved from San Diego years ago, almost two decades now. But a pastor friend of mine named Miles McPherson Pastor's a great, growing, thriving, large church in San Diego. <clears throat> Him and I would walk together and talk, and he was my mentor. And he was one of the guys I leaned on and trusted. And I was a young Christian, and, and uh, I grew up without a father. My father left uh, my family when I was one. My mother raised three kids by herself. And I grew up with a lot of bitterness and hate and a lot of anger as a young man uh, because of things that my family had went through, uh, things that I had experienced. And so I was saved by the grace of God as a teenager when I heard the gospel message clearly for the first time and knew that I was a sinner. And I knew that I wanted something more for my life. And I was empty. And everything that I was turning to to find fulfillment was not filling me until God's Holy Spirit came in. Amen? Do y'all remember that day when you put your faith and trust in Christ and everything changed the world got a lot brighter and bigger and better, and in some cases, it even got a little sadder. Well, Miles knew my story a little bit, and we had talked about it. My wife became pregnant in 1997 with our first child, and uh, in 1998, our first child, our first son was born, Jeremiah. And um, my wife said something to me. She said, hey, are you going to... Uh, are you going to call your dad and tell him that he has a son or grandson? And I said, no, why, why would I do that? I mean, I, don't, I haven't talked to him in almost one or two times in 30 years. He never cared about me. Why would I, why would I call him? 
And she told me, she said, I, I think you need to call your dad and at least let him know he has a grandson. So I called my pastor, Miles, up, and I said, Miles, I, uh, I know I'm a Christian. I know I'm saved, but I'm missing something here. And this is what he told me. And I'm about to be on somebody's street right now. He said, do you hate your dad? I said, yeah, I do. He said, you'll never know God's true forgiveness unless you're willing to forgive your dad. And I knew he was right. So that day I drove home. I got on the phone. I called my dad. And for the first time in almost 30 years, the voice on the other end was the man that was my father, my biological father. And I said, Dad, uh, this is uh, uh, Scott Oatesfall. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just want you to know you, you have a, uh, my wife and I, Gwen, we, we, you have a grandson. Okay. Um, I don't want anything from you. I, I, this is not one of those calls to say, hey, you owe me all. I, I just was wondering, would you like to see him? And he said, yes. And so for the next 30 days or so, I would sweat at night and wake up with, you know, I, I was so nervous. I couldn't, I had never been this nervous before. So we set up a time to meet at a local restaurant. And we drove to the two and a half hours to, to, to get there. And I had the baby in my hands. We get out of the car and I hand the baby to Gwen. And there on the sidewalk, stood my dad for the first time in almost 30 years. I looked at a man that was only, by the way, he was 16 when I was born. So he's 16 years older than I am. And he looked like he was 80 or 90 years old. He was beaten down and he, he had had a hard life. And so I handed Gwen the baby and I just walked straight up to my dad. And I, again, I, I don't know why I said what I said. I don't know why I did what I did. I do know now that God's Holy Spirit was leading me. But as I began to approach my dad, and as I began to enter within about a five-foot radius of him, my dad stepped back a little bit. I really think he thought I was going to punch him or slug him. And this is what I did. And again, I don't know why I did this. All I did was I just put both arms out like this. And then I grabbed him and I squeezed him. And this is what I said. I said, Dad, you're not my enemy. I forgive you. The minute that I did that, the power of God's grace and the power of God's Holy Spirit began to just completely dwell within me in ways I had never experienced before. If you're holding on to that type of unforgiveness, it can deteriorate you. It can be a cancer. And so I want to encourage you that if you want to be all that you can be, if you want to really live life to the hilt and go to the next level, 
then you have to be spiritually mature. And part of being spiritually mature is understanding that forgiveness, not trust, because trust and forgiveness are two different things, but forgiveness is something we must adopt as believers. Amen? Verse 15 says, See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. The fourth principle I want to share with you today, if you want to really truly live life to the hilt and be all that you can be for the Lord Jesus Christ, is that I believe you need to be safety monitored. Safety monitored. In other words, I spoke a message years ago called, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Young people, listen to me. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. Who you surround yourself with is going to help define who you become. And we all need to be safety monitored and chained to the Holy Spirit at all times so that we can avoid some of these temptations and traps that the enemy sets against us so that he can rob us of the joy of life. Because Jesus said, I want you to have life and have it what? Abundant. He don't want you to just be a C-plus Christian. He wants you to go all the way to the hilt and experience what he's designed for us and what he's gifted us. When I was in high school, one of my best friends was Kenny Crawford. And Kenny and I would get up every morning, every Saturday morning. We'd spend the night at each other's house, and we'd get up every Saturday morning, and we'd go to the center, and we would hoop all day long. Some people might not know what the center is, Pastor. But the rec center, you go to the center early on Saturday morning and put your name on that board. Is anybody out there with me? And then you play all your hoop all day long. Now, here's the part. When we were young, we would be out there playing with grown men, people's uncles. and There was always one player that would tell stories that you could never verify. About how he used to dunk on Dr. J and block Wilt Chamberlain's shot. And, but you could never verify it. 45, 50 years old out there playing with teenagers. <clears throat> Here's what I know. You had to go to the center early and get your name on that board. And if you lost, you might be sitting three or four hours before you got on again. So every game mattered. This wasn't like those PlayStation generation where you can just hit the reset button and start over if you start to get beat. No, you had to get on there and scrap. Somebody's with me today, Pastor. And so we would hoop all day long. So Kenny lived right across the street from a guy named Mr. Thompson. And Mr. Thompson was one of those kind of odd cats, you know, that would sit out on the front porch all day long. And, and when one of those uh, Gerald and Eddie Levert song came on, he would snap. And you could hear it all the way across the neighborhood. You know, the cats that had the loudest snap. Baby, hold on to me. We've got a special kind. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? And so he would always sit out there, but he had a salvage yard. He had a junkyard, if you will. Now, the center from Kenny's house, you had to walk all the way across, about eight or nine or ten blocks around the neighborhood, or you could cut across Mr. Thompson's yard because it backed up to the center. 
So he had a, he had a fenced-in yard, had a little salvage yard. And, you know, we would always go and say, hey, Mr. Thomas, can we cut through and climb over the fence? He's like, yeah, that's no problem. Well, one Saturday, he'd always get up early Saturday morning, unlock the gate for us, and we'd go through. Well, one Saturday morning, we get up, and the gate's locked. So we pull on the gate, and we go around to the front porch and knock on the door. And Mr. Thompson, come, we're, we're going to go cut through the center today, if you don't mind. We're going to try to cut through the ground. He said, well, I've had to, you know, they've had some people been stealing some stuff out of my yard, you know, out of my, you know, stealing some stuff off my cars and parts and stuff. So he said, uh, yeah, I'll let you guys go on through. And don't, you know, he's one of them guys that I'll say, hey, now, don't steal one of my hubcaps because I'll get up next to you. I'm like, we only have a car. That's why we're walking. That's why we're cutting through your yard, because we can't drive around. He's like, you boys don't steal nothing out of my garage. He said, now, I'll tell you this. He said, I don't put me a guard dog back there. So you start to acting up and squirreling around a little bit, and he'll bite you. Well, I wasn't too excited about that. But I didn't want to walk 10 blocks all the way around the city to get to the center, because we wanted to get there early to get our name on the board. So we cut across, he lets us in, we cut across, and in the back of his yard, he had one of those old wells, you know, wells, used to draw water from. And so Kenny's walking through there, and I stopped at the well because, you know, I'm interested in to see how deep the well is. And you know, as a young guy, what do you, what do, you do when you see something like that? What do you want to do? Throw something in there, right? So I pick up a rock. And I drop it in there. Nothing. I mean, this was a deep well. So I said, hey, Kenny, let's pick that brick up and throw it in there, that brick old block. No, man, don't do that, man. He said if we start messing around, that dog will come out and bite us. Man, that dog ain't going to come. So we pick the block up, throw it in there. Man, that is a deep well. Right beside the well, he had an old junky little, little engine block. So I looked at Kenny. I said, Kenny, let's drop this engine block in there. He said, man, I ain't dropping that engine block in there. I said, come on, let's just drop it in there. So, you know, as a good friend, I influenced him. That was B.C., by the way, before Christ. So I picked that engine block up, Pastor, and we drop it. And the minute we drop it, we hear that dog coming out from around the, one of those old little cars, out from under one of those cars. I don't know if it was a pit bull, German, I don't know what it was. But his eyes were blood red. His teeth were stripped. He was, I mean, it was like he was actually, he wasn't even, no, feet wasn't even hit the ground. He was just floating at us. So I froze up. Now I'm behind the well. Kenny's in the other side of the well, nearest to the dog. So I knew the dog was going to get to him first. And that dog flies around all the way, and Kenny ducks, and when he ducks, that dog jumps into that well. Now, about that time, Mr. Thompson comes out. Hey, what's going on? What y'all doing back there? I thought What y'all doing back there? I don't even know what to say. I mean, I'm just like... Mr. Tom, you, you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. He said, well, what, what happened? I said, sir, Kenny. 
your dog jumped in the well. He said, what? I said, yes, sir. Your, your, your dog jumped in the well. He said, son, that's impossible. I had him chained to a little engine block. That's not a true story, by the way. But here's what I know. We're all chained to something. And if we're chaining ourselves to the Holy Ghost, if we're chained to God's spirit and God's voice, He's going to pull us up. But if whatever's got our life chained is pulling us down, we're going to go down like the Titanic. Or we're going to go down like that dog in the well. You see, I believe if we're going to be all we want to be and can be for the Lord Jesus Christ, if we're going to truly live life to the hilt, we've got to be self-motivated. We got to get excited to be a child of the Most High King. We have to be single minded. We got to know what we believe. We got to shove all the chips in the middle for Jesus. If He calls you to something, He'll equip you for it. Be committed. Don't be a C plus Christian. I don't want to be a C plus Christian. I don't want to be a C plus dad. I don't want to be a C plus husband. Because anybody can do that. I don't want to be a C-plus church. I definitely don't sit under a C-plus pastor. If we're going to be all we can be, we've got to be spiritually mature. At some point, we've got to make sure. We have to make sure that we are holy and live in peace with all people. And then finally, if we're going to be all we can be and live life to the hilt... We've got to be safety monitor. We've got to chain ourselves to friends and brothers and sisters who are going to edify us and build us up. We've got to be chained to God's word because this right here, sometimes the pastor ain't going to be able to help you. Sometimes your best friend and your mom and daddy can't help you. Sometimes you got to get alone in this old book right here and you got to see what God's telling you. James 4.13 says, what is your life but a vapor? Here today and gone tomorrow. Listen to this statistics, and I'll close with this. Let's say that the average person lives to be about 75 years old. So if you live to be 75 years old and you sleep about seven, eight hours a night, that's 25 years right there gone. So 50 years left, you know, take away 15, 20 years where you're getting your training wheels off, kind of figuring out what life's all about. That leaves you with 30 years. So at 30 years left, you're going to spend probably five or 10 of those years not feeling good, being sick, maybe being in a nursing home. That's going to leave you with about 20 years. 
And that's if God grants you good health. So if we've got 20 years to live life to the full and to be all that we can be for the Lord Jesus Christ, are you going to use that time being an average Christian? Or are you going to go all the way in and be all that God's designed you to be? Let's be that church, that city on a hill that can't be here, that lives life to the full. Amen? God bless you, Strong Tower. Thank you so much for having me today.